0: Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we have Dr. Eric Zielinski, a trained aromatherapist, public health researcher, and chiropractor. Along with his wife, Sabrina, they started naturallivingfamily.com to help people learn how to use natural remedies like essential oils safely and effectively. So in this episode, we'll talk about taking charge of your own health, and how essential oils can be used for chronic conditions. Welcome to the Katka TV Podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hi, Dr. Eric, thank you so much for being with us here today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's really exciting. Um, We're going to talk about maybe some new topics for me that I haven't talked about much in the past, so that's always fun.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself, why you became a chiropractor, and how you found yourself in the aromatherapy space.
1: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, doing what I do wasn't part of my 10-year vision plan. It's kind of funny how things end up the way that they do. But I was in corporate finance, and I had my own healing transformation when I became a Christian in 2003, and I just was always looking at natural therapies. It was just part of my my transformation, really, at the core. My mentor was very healthy mindset, and he really shared with me something that resonated that really has been the anthem of my very work to this day. He said, Eric, your body is the temple. You have to take care of it. And whether someone's a Christian or whether someone has a different faith, I think we all can recognize that we're spiritual beings and we are a temple. And this body is sacred and this body is something we need to honor. And the way I was living before, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, I was abusing narcotics, I was abusing alcohol, I had clinical depression, I battled suicidal thoughts. Um, I, I was a mental, emotional physical wreck at the age of 22 23 chronic pain i'll never forget when a neurologist just chronic back pain i thought i had scoliosis i wasn't sure and he looked at an mri and he said what did you do to yourself you have a spine of a 50 year old and that was my life at 21 22 at the time and so long and the short of it is i really didn't know that there was a professional route and and Going back to 18 years ago, the only person I knew that did anything remotely close to what I do now was Dr. Joseph Mercola. And I'll remember getting Dr. Mercola's e-newsletter, like I was so excited to learn from Dr. Joe again 18 years ago. And fast forward to where we are today, you know, I my wife and I had a dream, and we had a dream of opening up a health center, and we wanted to help people with not just chiropractic care because we both were profoundly. We both, we responded well, I should say. Chiropractic was a big part of our healing story, helping us with knee issues and joint issues. And so I wanted to help people because I know what it's like. I'll never forget too. I kind of felt like Forrest Gump. Um, I had such bad joint problems. Again, young adult, didn't make any sense. No one could explain why. And after a couple simple chiropractic adjustments, I remember feeling like this weird energy flowing through my body, like something was stuck and i'm like i'm gonna go try running and again being 26 at the time 27 i i didn't run for years and i used to love running and being active and i remember running and running and running and not stopping like i think i went five miles that day like imagine going to zero running to five miles because i felt that good i'm like wow and that was like i after a course of a couple years my wife like well what if we were to be able to do that for other people so in in chiropractic school I didn't realize that I had somewhat of a penchant and a gift towards research and writing. And so, really, just because I had to help pay the bills, and we had three kids at the time, took up some grant writing, took up some research papers, uh, essentially became a public health research writer for hire. And I found my little niche at school. And so, I never practiced chiropractic, went to public health school, went to hormonal therapy school. I found again my place in this world through writing. And here we are today, a couple international international bestselling books. I have a brand new book coming out soon. We have millions of people that follow us online. It's been a very just, I got to say, just humbling experience to go from where I was at to where we are today. And even to be on, you know, it's an honor to be on your show. I mean, Who would have thought? Right. So it's really exciting because we've been able to learn tools and strategies over the years. And as I've been doing this full time professionally for about seven years now in the aromatherapy space, my mind has been blown time and time again with the actual healing story and learning the therapeutic mechanisms of these plant based compounds and how to help people restore their body really from the inside out.
0: So let's start at the beginning when it comes to essential oils. What are essential oils? How long have humans been using them? And why have they suddenly become so popular again?
1: Yeah, so essential oils technically are known as volatile organic compounds. Volatile meaning they readily evaporate. Organic meaning they're carbon-based. And compound meaning there are a lot of them. So if you're watching right now, let me show you a bottle. If you're looking, you could see, if you're listening, I'm holding up an essential oil bottle, basically. And what you're looking at here, anywhere from 100 to 150 to 300 different plant chemicals. And these are the plant chemicals that many of which make up the flavorings of your food, the aromas, the scents of your favorite poo-poo sprays and aerosols, and even the chemicals that make up the drugs that people take today. And I think that's really important because when you say how long have people been using essential oils, people have been using theoretically in the concept of what we know as essential oils since the beginning of time. But the reality, again, pulling up the bottle, these didn't exist as we see them today in this concentrated liquid form. They didn't exist until Arab alchemists invented steam distillation in the ninth century, 80 after, Right. So essential oils are relatively new. And what we see now is completely different than what the alchemists, the the Arab alchemists were using, what now, a thousand years ago. The processes that we have in place, the the science, the technology to extract those volatile organic compounds from plants are unheard of. So when you put your nose into a rose and you smell the aroma, when you're walking into an orange grove and you smell the, the, the orange blossoms. Or you're in just a forest and you just have this, what is that around me? That's the aroma being emitted from the plants. And those are actual physical particles. So when you put on like behind me is a diffuser, when you put on this little water diffuser or simply put you open up the bottle. Within seconds, if you're on the other side of the room, you could smell that because those particles are floating in the air and they stimulate your sense of smell, which is known as the olfactory system. And here's the key, though. This is why this is really powerful. The olfactory system is the only sensory input system that has a direct input to the brain. Direct, meaning no interpretation. It goes, boom, right to the limbic system, which is your primal brain, your, where your memory your mood, your emotions, your autonomic function is, your heart rate, your breathing rate. Unlike pain, for example, and if you were to stub your toe or maybe accidentally cut your finger, cutting some, you know, chopping some vegetables for dinner, there's that split second, right? Think back to the last time you hurt yourself. There's that split second to when, oop, I hurt myself and ouch. That was because the pain sensation had to be interpreted by the brain through the thalamus called the thalamic relay. And then the brain was like, okay, we know what to do. And then instant re-jerk reaction happens where you pull your hand back from a fire or you touch something hot or whatever, or you just say, ow. When you smell something, there is nothing like that. Meaning if you want a direct impact on your brain, uninhibited, this is what our ancestors did. And they didn't realize what they were doing. So when they were inhaling and smelling the blossoms, when they lived outside, which they lived outside all the time, unlike us, which we are inside almost all the time, up to 95 plus percent now because of the pandemic, people are spending inside door, indoors. We live indoors now. So when our ancestors were just living outside, they were just automatically enjoying aromatherapy all day, every day. And then some of them really got wind of this, like, Hey, what are we doing? This is really good stuff. And then they get the frankincense resin from the tree. They they get the birch bark, from you know, the tree or the cinnamon leaf, or they'll get whatever, and they started burning these things. And that's where incense came into play. And that's a more profound, concentrated effect. So when you're looking at essential oils, there's a wide, beautiful history. I mean, even in the Bible, the first recipe we see is when God told Moses, get this big old vat of olive oil and put calamus, cinnamon, and myrrh in it and let it soak. Well, that was an herbal extract. We see the same thing with ancient Egypt. We see the same thing in the Bhagavad We see the same thing with all ancient cultures of how our ancestors used herbs and spices and resins and roots from trees and how they made pulses and salves out of them. Well, what we've done is because of science, we can extract. And it's really hard to conceptualize just how truly potent this is if someone has never learned that. I mean, this bottle, you're looking at roughly three pounds of lavender flowers. This itty bitty bottle. I mean, that's a lot. That's 40 different lemon rinds because the citrus oil is extracted by cold pressing the citrus um, rind, just like olive oil is. So you you get orange rind, lemon rind, bergamot rind, and you cold press it, you you express it, and you get the olive, you you get the oil just like an olive oil gets squeezed. And that's a lot of plant matter. And so when you have these concentrated plant-based compounds, we have a much more therapeutic medicinal effect than our ancestors ever did. And that's really my message to people is when you're looking at the the literature, when you're looking at what science has done, is they've developed medicine based off of the chemical constituencies that they've seen in plants. And the best example is aspirin because we know our ancestors used birch, which has a chemical in the salicylin family. And when you're looking at salicylates, they're analgesic, they're pain relieving. Well, when you take that salicylate, when you chemically manufacture it, put a white shiny coating on it, you could sell it on the market. And that's called aspirin directly from the chemical structure of willow. And we see that with your chemotherapy, your antifungal, antibacterial, antiviral drugs, because all these essential oils are antimicrobial. You know, your eucalyptus menthol, your Bengay, your pepto all these medicines have a basis in plant chemistry. And so what we do is we teach people like, okay, let's try the true pure version of this plant medicine. And let's see how your body responds.
0: So you've already written a few books on aromatherapy, but you have a new book coming out, The Essential Oils Apothecary. Can you tell us why you felt the need to write this book now?
1: You know, it was one of those things where it was the natural progression of just my development as a researcher, as a writer, as a speaker, my first book the healing power of essential oils it quite honestly didn't anticipate it to take off the way that it did it's been the number one ranked number one sold aromatherapy book in the world since 2018 um but it was a basic book it was on the basics you know we covered body care and cleaning products and how to use oils with pets and of all ages of all you know children to adults and basic conditions but the reality was, what I realized is a vast majority of books on the market are 101 type of books, which are great. People need to get the basics, but what about advanced strategies and protocols? What about now that I learned the basics, what's the next step? And the thing that really motivated me was I don't wanna I don't wanna make people feel like they need to go like I did through a two or three hundred hour certification program to use essential oils. And and that's a fear that some people have. That's a concern. And I don't think that's accurate. I don't, as in you don't need to go through a supplement masterclass to learn how to like, okay, maybe I can take some supplements to help with a deficiency or maybe with some, some health issues. And so that's really what this book is. It's giving the home user, my neighbor, my mom and dad, you, my friends, some, some, strategies straight from the literature, straight from the research to approach what now has become the primary root causes of essentially death. And that really wasn't anticipated. Chronic conditions, obesity, diabetes specifically, are the highest root causes, are the highest comorbidities, are, are the reasons why, quite frankly, that the COVID crisis got to where it did is that people with pre-existing conditions were not only more at risk of getting sick, but of dying of the pandemic. So when I wrote this book, I had no idea. I really did because it was right before everything happened. And then when it happened, I was writing, I finished writing the book. So I had a really instant, in, in beautiful insight because I was in quarantine, which was an interesting experience. I was in quarantine writing or finishing the last edits of this book. And so I was able to kind of bring it all together. And so the reality is this, is that the reason, and this is something I think we all need to take seriously, the reason the world was knocked down, the entire planet due to the pandemic was because as a whole, people weren't healthy. The amount of heart disease, the amount of irritable bowel, I mean, most people have never heard of fatty liver, but non-alcoholic fatty liver affects a third of the nation up to a quarter of the world people don't think about these other things that are kind of ailing people and then how it's relation to immune function and putting us more susceptible of getting an infection or dying of a disease. And so what's happening is now the conversation, unlike it was five years ago, the conversation in the public health world is like, okay, how do we manage these comorbidities? How how do we reduce someone's risk? And ultimately, a lot of it's at our control. And so theoretically, if we didn't have an obesity crisis, theoretically, if we didn't have a cancer crisis, theoretically, if so many people weren't diabetic or pre-diabetic, the pandemic would never have been a pandemic. It would have been an epidemic. It would have been an isolated situation, but it got global. And that's really the message here is chronic disease now. Once you start with one, it's inevitable you're going to get another I mean, diabetes leads to obesity, chronic inflammation leads to cancer and autoimmunity. You have all these different things, bone and joint disorders leads to, you know, depression, anxiety, like they all come into play. Even low libido, erectile dysfunction, everything is interconnected. That's why when you meet somebody or know someone in their 60s and 70s, they're on a list of medications to help with hypertension, glucose, mental health, whatever it might be, indigestion, reflux. And all these different drugs ultimately just mask symptoms and unfortunately they compound one another. And so people are looking for a solution. And my hope and prayer is that as people go through our book, they'll find relief. They'll find symptom-based relief to help them sleep better at night, help them enjoy their love life better help them manage depression or anxiety better, and maybe even start to tackle some of the root causes of these more serious conditions like Parkinson's, COPD, fatty liver, and even cancer. And that's what we're doing is we're proposing a lifestyle approach that when you use essential oils and get off of the said diet, And I said said on purpose, it's not sad anymore. You know, the standard American diet, it's no longer sad. It's said it's standard earth diet. The whole planet is eating this way. Now you go travel overseas and you see fast food, you see people eating the way that Americans have eaten. And the reason Americans have gotten so sick is now global, which is why, again, why COVID created such crisis around the planet, because people were inherently not healthy enough to handle it. And that's a bad place to be. So how do we get us healthy again? Exercise, proper nutrition, mind-body strategies, stress relief, sleeping better, and maybe using natural therapies like supplements or CBD or essential oils to help you, maybe give you that extra oomph to boost your immune function and help manage some symptoms.
0: I saw an article, a very sad one the other day. It was about how now young kids are getting Alzheimer's and dementia, so I think we should talk about that first. Could you tell us how essential oils have shown to be effective against Alzheimer's and dementia and give us a little bit of information on that?
1: Yeah. The thing about Alzheimer's and dementia is it's technically known as a chronic condition, right? And it's one of the top causes of death globally, especially in America. When the, I believe I, last I checked, what, number five or number, you know, it changed. It's a real serious end stage condition. When someone is, has a dementia, that's pre-Alzheimer's, and it's significant, significant cognitive decline. And that takes typically years, I mean, decades worth. And, and by definition, though, it starts in childhood. That's really what a chronic disease is. It starts in childhood. And also, by definition, it's preventable. And that's really important. I, and I can't stress that enough. And this is straight from the WHO, the World Health Organization, the CDC, every major government health organization. They're in agreement. Chronic health conditions are highly preventable and treatable. So you're not of, now again, we do know that some people have a propensity towards things. There's a genetic component. We get that. But by and large, you can change things to put yourself in a position to not have that condition. Or cancer or heart disease and you can even change things now to help mitigate the symptoms and I even still believe that things can still be reversed depending on the level and the advancement and so when it comes to essential oils the chapter in my book on dementia and Alzheimer's I have a chart it covers primarily the symptoms related to helping people with Alzheimer's and dementia. Everything from agitation, which is a huge thing, memory loss, concern, and I'll give you a couple. I, an aromatherapy hand massage has been shown to drastically decrease someone with dementia, Alzheimer's, and agitation. And again, agitation is the hallmark of someone with Alzheimer's. Anger, just frustration. And you gotta think, they're out of their mind, literally. I mean, they don't even know who they are. And they oftentimes don't know the people that they're with. I mean, they look at their daughter They look at their children. They look at their caretakers. They look at their lover and they don't know them. So there's a lot of angst at even a spiritual level. But imagine getting some lavender or some Roman chamomile, some citrus oils like orange, maybe even lime or neroli or bergamot. I mentioned those. Those come up a lot in the research. Imagine just massaging someone's hand and just showing that love. And and one problem, by the way, especially really in the throes of the pandemic right now, the elderly have been all but sectioned off and there's a significant lack of touch. How do you care for someone when you're social distancing, right? When you're physically distancing from somebody. So you have this older population of people and just people in the hospitals in general that now are greatly lacking human touch, Unlike they've ever experienced before and unlike, I believe, we've been designed by God to interact with people. And so when you touch someone's hand and massage them, that right there is stimulating, healing. It's dopamine serotonin producing. It's calming. It's relaxing. It puts people at ease. It's why we give our children and our loved ones a hug when they're crying and they're beside themselves. And, and you could even take it one step further, giving a foot massage or a neck rub. But a hand rub is very gentle. It's very safe, depending on the – you know what I mean? Just think about just a separation. It's just like shaking someone's hand. So imagine getting some – but when you add lavender to it now, when you add essential oils that have been shown clinically to help put someone in that parasympathetic state, and these are parasympathetic, dopamine-producing Reactions because again, once the aroma gets into the air, the nose in, smells it, inhales it. But not only that, you're stimulating through the limbic system positive mood, good emotions, and memories, relaxing that autonomic function, putting you out of that sympathetic fight or flight. Literally, that's what aromatherapy does. But the cool thing is, through the hand massage aspect of it, now these essential oils start to penetrate into your bloodstream. They're transdermal, they're hydrophobic meaning they're water-hating, fat-loving, lipophilic, volatile organic compounds. They will seep and absorb into your bloodstream, which is profound. So if you want these chemicals, like the limonene, the menthols, the piney, the plant-based chemicals that are the basis for many drugs today, if you want them to be into your bloodstream, then give yourself a little massage. I mean, wow, how cool is that, right? So that's how symptom-based management, but not only that, but memory, rosemary, Our ancestors have used rosemary. It's known as the herb of remembrance. They've been using rosemary for centuries to help with cognitive function. But there's other oils that could help with memory. Um, Focus like cedarwood and frankincense and myrrh. These are wonderful. Pine, a lot of the tree oils actually, cypress, sandalwoods, these help with mental clarity and focus. Um, Pain, we cover that a lot. Arthritis and osteoporosis, but with Alzheimer's and dementia patients, it could help with symptoms. But here's one thing interesting. And in the wake of trying to find Alzheimer's drugs, the problem with medication is there's no known cure. And that's the problem. And the problem is we have not found a solution for this. So here's the typical medical approach is for people that have Alzheimer's or they're in the dementia stage, there is a lack of acetylcholine in the brain. Acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter that's required for neurosynapses so the brain can function properly. Well, there is an enzyme that's naturally occurring called acetylcholinesterase. Ace is always the end suffix to an enzyme. So this acetylcholinesterase breaks down acetylcholine, which it has to, which it should, so then the body can produce more, and it's a natural cycle of life. So what drugs do is drugs prevent the acetylcholinesterase From breaking down the acetylcholine. So they're called acetylcholinesterase inhibitors. Well, the reason they do that is because if you prevent the enzyme from breaking down acetylcholine, there will be more acetylcholine in the brain, right? Well, that's pretty cool. It kind of makes sense. But what and I'm actually going to pull it up on my book right now because I have a list. There are a number of essential oils that have been proven, proven clinically to have acetylcholinesterase inhibiting ability. So Theoretically, essential oils can do the same effect, have the same effect on maintaining higher levels of acetylcholine in the brain, but without side effects. And that is something that I didn't mention that I'd be remiss not to mention is when used properly, there are virtually zero side effects to using these plant-based compounds. It's just like there's no side effects to eating apples. Unless, A, you eat too many apples and you'll get sick or you're allergic to apples. It's the same thing with essential oils. You're either allergic to them or you don't use them right. Otherwise, there are no side effects, which is wonderful. But when you use them properly, that's really where things work and the body knows how to respond. Here's a list. I'll give you a list. These are the essential oils, clinically shown. It's it's mind-blowing cinnamon bark. I'll start with, it has shown a nearly 80% inhibitory activity against cholinesterase. That is profound. Again, increasing someone's acetylcholine in their brain by 80% or maintaining the acetylcholine by 80%. That's profound. Other oils, basil, bergamot, key lime leaf lavender lemon balm also known as melissa lemon myrtle orange bitter orange um, oregon ash rosemary sage spanish sage and thyme because of thymol which is the chemical in it and so what we recommend in the book i'll give you a little recipe for someone who's just like how does this work right like okay i get that i get it it makes sense theoretically the science makes sense i understand the research shows this how do i apply it we have what we call a cholinesterase inhibiting capsule So we recommend people to get a vegan gel capsule, put one drop of lemon balm in it, one drop of sage, one drop of thyme, one drop of oregano. Fill that capsule with coconut oil or olive oil, and you have a pill that is safe to consume with food, drink with water, and see. I mean, that's the mindset is work with your clinician, work with your health care practitioner. Does this help? Does this help you? Does this help your loved one? Does this help maybe increase cognitive function, reduce symptoms? Maybe does this slow the onset of Alzheimer's? We don't know, but the research suggests that it could. And so, again, under the guidance of a healthcare professional, always being sure that if you are on any medications that you are conferring with your, your doctor, because essential oils do have, like supplements, by the way, they do have known drug interaction. So you just got to be careful. And by the way, I'll give people a tip in my book. I have an exhaustive drug interaction chart, and I'm pretty excited and proud about that because nothing like this exists for the home user. Like li- literally you, you don't ever see anywhere. There's no list on there. There's no charts to say, Hey, I take Advil, which I not use with oils or I'm on Warfarin. And by the way, clove is a known anticoagulant. That's a big deal because if you're ingesting clove and also on warfarin for blood thinning, you could hemorrhage inside. So you got to be careful. So people don't know this stuff. And ultimately people buy essential oils, like they buy supplements and all these other things online, and they don't learn some of the little nuances that could hurt you, but also help you. So that's why we have these safety charts to really empower people to that next level.
0: Yeah, you have to be really careful, because if you tell anyone in the U.S. that something is good for you, they overdo it immediately.
1: (laughs) If one good, 10 is better. Hey, I was there. And you know what? That's part of my story, why I even got involved with essential oils, is I had a pimple on my face. I have always had acne-prone skin. And Dr. Google, I looked it up, and someone, some very foolish, ignorant blogger, put, hey, get oregano oil, oil of oregano, put a dab a drop on your skin. I did that because I wanted a natural solution to pimples and it burned my skin bad. And I've learned you never use straight neat essential oils. You always dilute them. And so now I'll take one drop of oregano in like a tablespoon of a carrier oil and then you dab. But you see those little things along the way, I've had to learn the hard way. And so, yeah, you're right. It's something that we need to be very cautious of. But I want to empower people, though. I don't want to put in fear. I want to put a healthy fear. Like, you know, there's something I think called a healthy fear that that makes you hesitant. Like that way, and my kids don't have it. If you have children, you know what I mean. Like a two-year-old doesn't have fear. They'll jump 12 stories off a bridge to fall into your arms. But when the kids get older, they're like, ooh, I might hurt myself. You got to have that little healthy fear knowing that, There are consequences to my actions, but empowered being like, wow, you mean I can take my health care in my own hands? I'm not at the mercy of my doctor, my pharmacist, my government. I'm not at the mercy of my mom and dad, my lover, my friend. No, I am responsible for my health. That right there, the onus is on us. The accountability is on us. That's why I do what I do, because I've been learning myself. I've been learning for myself for years. And it got to the point where so many people have asked me, friends, family, even today, my mom asking me just, I love my mom, but basic questions. Like I'm thinking, mom, you're 71 years old. Like my thought was, you don't know that, but she doesn't, or she doesn't feel comfortable because there's a little bit of doubt on something that, you know, whatever, should I ice or should I heat? Something like that. Right. In a backache. So for those of you listening especially at this point, you know, if you, I'm preaching to the choir here, I love it. If, you, if you're listening to this interview at this point, we got you. We got you hooked. So if you resonate with what I'm saying right now, I want to encourage you to be the influencer in your space, to be the go-to health guru, because my wife doesn't have certifications. My wife doesn't have a doctorate. My wife helps more people than I do one on one. She coaches people and loves on people, and this is her ministry. She doesn't charge people; she helps people through labor, delivery, birth, babies' problems. Like, you know, Joette Calabrese. By the way, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. You can check her out, Joette. I think it's JoetteCalabrese.com. She's a homeopathic physician, and she told me in her mindset, it's our responsibility to completely take care of our health. And her story was she never took her children to the medical doctor, ever. I'm not recommending that. I'm not allowed to recommend that. But Joette has a story. And she went to school, literally, herself. She learned on her own, and then she really fell in love with homeopathy, and that's where her specialty is over the years. But she felt such a responsibility, and she said, Eric, this is how it used to be. My mom was like this. My grandma was like this. My great-grandma was like this. Like We've lost this. Parents have lost the control. They've lost the confidence to take care of their kids and themselves. And you know what? I agree to that. I agree that if we were, and I have a quote, oh, this is such a powerful quote. And I'll tell you, I don't want to digress, but this is from my first book. Um, This is a quote from a Medscape physician. This was a Medscape article. And yeah, this is a Medscape report. Listen to this emergency room physician. Again, this is from the Healing Power of Essential Oils. This was like, the the springboard for everything that I've done. A Medscape report shares a shocking story of one physician who blames patients for the misuse of medical treatments because of the sheer volume of people who quote unquote flood urgent care centers, seeking care for run of the mill ailments, such, such as simple ankle sprains, sore throats or diarrhea for one day sunburns, the list goes on. This is what the doctor said. None of us would ever consider seeing a doctor for such common and trivial matters the physician states in an interview I see about 50 patients a day and nearly 75 percent of them have no business seeing a doctor and and 80 percent of those patients are expecting antibiotics what if we were to flip that on its head and I'll never forget when our baby our first child Esther at I don't know what was she 13 14 months developed a 104 temperature and me, I wasn't where I was at right now. I freaked out. It's my baby girl. I'm like, Sabrina, we're going to go take the baby. You know, we're going to take us to the urgent care. And she was like, no, hold on a second. And mama took care. Mama bear stood up and she's like, no, wait, We're not going to go. All they're going to do is get her on a drug or something. Like, let's try this first. Right? So she got some coconut oil in her hand. She put a drop of peppermint and a drop of orange oil. And well, first, she gave her a bath. That's always a big deal. A nice, calming detox bath with some lavender oil, kind of calm her down. And then she massaged her from head to toe with this orange and peppermint blend. Within 20 minutes, and again, going back to what the research says, I now know it takes about 20 minutes for the essential oils to thoroughly penetrate through the skin and get to the bloodstream systemically, systemically, all over. Within 20 minutes, her temp went from 104 to like 101. Like, wow. The next day, checked it. It was at 102. Well, a lot better than 104, but still high. She applied it again. It went immediately down to 99. The next day, it was at 99. She did it again. Boom, back to normal. That was my moment. That was my wow. Not only my wow moment about essential oils, by the way, that was really it for me to start. This was now 12 years ago, which hit me like, wow, this stuff is legit. But it was about my responsibility, my accountability, and my ability to take care of my health and the health of my family. So mothers especially, I do believe, have that healing intuition. I believe every woman on the planet has that. I think it's a gift. I do. I've seen it. And I've seen it in my wife. I've seen it in countless women over the years. And as the typical conventional caretakers of the home, right, you see that. It's not... a derogatory statement. Like, ladies, you got something I don't. And men don't have that ability. And instinctively, you all know what to do with your babies. You all know what to do with yourself. And I want to help people tap into that a little bit more. And especially men, dare I say, to listen to your spouses, your partners, your lovers, your moms, your sisters a little bit more. We would do well. We would do well to ask for a little bit of advice, especially from people that know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. I had a similar experience when my daughter had a very high fever. The first time we took her to the urgent care, they just gave her, I think it was Tylenol and another one of those, just like switch it every couple hours and that's it. That's all they can do. So the next time she got it, he's like, let me try something. Cause he's an acupuncturist. So he's like, you make the, the water temperature, the same temperature as their fever. And then you slowly pour cold water in to bring it down slowly and that was able to break her fever Mm -hmm. and we didn't need to go to an emergency room no problems when they say if it's 101 you gotta go
1: (laughs) that saved you money Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that saved you time but even more importantly what did it do for you
0: Make sure you're empowered. You can handle this. What did it do to
1: you, right? You can
0: do this, mom. You can do this, dad. You can do
1: this, you, if you're alone by yourself. I get it. You can do this. It's like, wow, we all need that wow moment. And the problem is, and this isn't like a conspiracy theory, but the system is not set for that. The system has disempowered us. People don't know how to grow their own food anymore. They don't know how to take care of their health anymore. They don't know how to teach their kids anymore. We've outsourced everything. Okay? It's convenient. But I'll tell you something, boy, did I realize my inefficiency in teaching my kids when I was in quarantine and school shut down. Like, wow, I did not realize how woefully prepared I was for that. Okay, I have a choice to make. Do I get better at that or do I hire someone to do it? Seriously, you choose what you want to do. So we garden at home. We have a beautiful, lush, organic garden. And no, it doesn't like feed my family three meals a day all the time, but we get a lot of food from that. It's the fact that we have it. We know how to can. We know how to jar. We know how to prepare food. Again, when COVID hit, when everyone was freaking out about hand sanitizer and soap, we know how to make our own. I mean, simple stuff. But we do it, honestly, not to save money. We do it because of the health benefits. But we save a ton of money. It's it's one of those things. What's your motive? I don't care. Is your motive to be healthy or save money? Either way, start doing it yourself. Right. So regardless of the motive, regardless of what makes you do it, you got to get started. And so what we're proposing, again, this isn't a pill for every ill. This isn't an oil for that mentality. And I hate that slogan. It's fun. It's cute. You see mugs and T-shirts and network marketers love it. There is no oil for that in my space. What I'm proposing is a lifestyle of reducing your toxic overload. Considering getting an air purifier, considering thinking twice about what you're drinking, what you're eating, what you're putting on your skin. And women, I'm telling you, uh, women specifically, because men just typically don't wear makeup. Men don't have as much stuff, right? Women, you are a science experiment and you have no idea what you're doing and neither do I. No one does. The chemicals that you're putting on your body. Again, some, not all. If you're not, I applaud you. Nail polish. You know, nail polish is one of the worst things. People don't know about formaldehyde. It's one of the worst, worst cosmetics. Lipstick. You're licking that. You're swallowing that all day long. What are you putting on? What's the makeup? What's what's the body care? The EWG. Oh, forgive the numbers. I forget the numbers, but the Environmental Working Group did a, a study on the cord blood. Have, have, have you Have you ever covered the cord blood study before you know about that Mm -hmm. cord blood umbilical cord mama just gave birth to baby they cut the cord they evaluated the blood and the cord of the 280 known carcinogens on the planet mama had like 90 of them in the cord blood transferring from mama to baby baby to mama why do children have cancer maybe Sometimes because of the chemicals that are seeping through in the placenta. Like, how did mama get so much in her body? How did she even live? Well, that's the, the wonderful design. Our bodies adapt. But when you look at the toxins, I mean, we're talking known carcinogens that are in all of her body care and cleaning products. And why are they legal? Well, parts per billion, right? That's it. Parts per billion. Just a couple little things, just a couple dots, just a couple pieces. It's diluted enough where it's not going to hurt you. Same concept of your swimming pool. Chlorine is a horrible, horrible chemical. Just a little bit to clean, to kill the toxins, have your kids swim in it. I mean, just think about this mentality we have, just a little bit. But it's called toxic accumulation. So when you're putting it on your body day after day after day, when you're drinking that fluorinated, chlorinated water day after day after day, when you're eating the pesticides in the food day after day after day, those parts per billion becomes parts per billion, which become parts per thousand, which makes you sick and die. That's the, that's what happens. So what do we do? You have to change that lifestyle. And we have found, quite frankly, that making our own products, using essential oils, like Boy, oh boy, if you need to wear gloves, you know, those rubber gloves that go to your elbow, if you need to wear gloves to wash your counters, that's a problem. Your cleaning products shouldn't hurt you. And you don't need bleach to kill stuff. Just, it's a fact. Bleach can be helpful for emergency situations. Or I know people, my good friend, again, plugging all my friends here, Jill Winger from the Prairie Homestead. Look her up. Jill is a wonderful, wonderful blogger and she's all about, she literally lives on the homestead and she's been doing it near Cheyenne, Wyoming for a decade and a half or so. She doesn't even have bleach in her home. I'm talking homestead cows, chickens, barbed wire, broken hands and cuts on their fingers all the time. Three kids, no bleach. She just uses essential oil based cleaners, makes her own stuff, saves a ton of money, works just as good. No side effects. Like, Wow, right? So anyway, when it comes to, especially women going back, if you have a problem, I mean, we can talk about estrogen dominance, or we can talk about some hormone problems. What hormone disruptors are you using right now? Parabens, sulfates, you know, sodium lauryl sulfate, sodium lauryl sulfite, the BPAs, the BPDs, the plastics, the things that are everywhere. These are known endocrine disruptors. And they're wreaking havoc on women's bodies specifically, especially women that are battling anything from fibroids to, you know, breast lumps to estrogen dominance. This is a big issue. So how do we stop it? How do we reverse it? And and my thought is first, we got to look at what we're doing with our life to contributing, like what contributing factors are there and are we using endocrine disruptors? And, And reality is, and I promise you, this is a fact. If you are using makeup, Cleaning with conventional cleaning products and again, conventional makeup, conventional cleaning, conventional body care, like the the stuff you get at the big box stores. If you're using that, you are contributing to estrogen dominance and endometriosis and problems. You're going to put yourself in an infinitely worse situation to ever have balanced hormones. So what's the solution? First is to start to convert your life piece by piece by piece. And don't get overwhelmed. That's the big thing, by the way, Overwhelm. It's like, wow, where do I start? Well, start with hand sanitizer. Completely useless, by the way, the way that they do it. I mean, there's triclosan, known pesticides in these things, the chemicals in it. I mean, it's just, ah. And by the way, you do what you got to do for you. But the only time I use hand sanitizer is when I'm on a road trip and I have to change a diaper in the middle of the road. You don't need hand sanitizer wash your hands. Whatever happened to good old soap and water? We become obsessed. Kind of playing two topics, but going back to Alzheimer's, there was an Oxford University journal that evaluated 190 countries, like the whole world, and they noticed and they observed a profound, direct association with sanitation and Alzheimer's risk so the cleaner the country was a cleaner the more sanitized i should say of the country was the higher the rates of alzheimers why because straight from the research medical journal because of the neurological inflammation that ensues because of all these cleaning products so how do we stop that maybe we use better cleaning products and maybe we don't clean as much and boy that comes against the face of everything we've learned and i had a little bit of a headbutting experience with my publisher with my new book because in that chapter I recommend, hey, maybe you don't use hand sanitizer as much. Maybe you don't wash your hands as much. And my publisher's like, aren't you going against the guidelines of the CDC and WHO? I'm like, yeah, we need to talk about that. Again, I'm not saying anything here. I'm saying, look at what the research says. Should we be so obsessed that every time we touch something, a doorknob, a car handle, whatever, you have to to sanitize your hands? That is overboard right? So getting back to this healthy balance, because we need bacteria on our hands. We need to have a healthy experience with viruses and fungi. We do. That's our microbiome. So women, what are you using? What are you putting on your skin? I would first recommend make your own hand sanitizer. It's super easy. It's just simple. I mean, it's just simple. Highest grade alcohol you can get, ideally like 190 proof alcohol and add some essential oils to it i mean simple 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 stuff right i got the recipes in my book for you if you're interested make your own hand soap just try it two things right there right get yourself out of the habit of constantly sanitizing everything and everyone around you all the time just allow the kids and yourselves maybe to go out in the garden get a little dirty allow yourself to touch the doorknob again without getting the hand sanitizer It's like a neuroses and I was there, by the way, I will say I'm a recovering hand sanitizer addict. I'll never forget. I had hand sanitizer all over everywhere and I was in the car and I touched the car door. I, and then I immediately put the hand sanitizer on and then I put the hand sanitizer on my, my steering wheel. And then I was like, what am I doing? It hit me like, this is crazy. I mean, my mom and dad never even had hand sanitizer and and they're okay. You know, my grandma and grandpa never would imagine Something like that would be, even be in existence. And they were okay. You know, my great grandma died at 93. She never even heard of hand sanitizer. So, okay, let's put things into perspective. Just start with a couple things. And, and know that every conventional body care, cleaning product, whatever it is that you're using, every synthetic poo-poo spray aerosol, everything that you replace with something natural, you are now helping your hormones balance naturally. That uh, in and of itself that's really this metabolic makeover that we propose to people is you stop the damage. The body will heal. You stop the damage. You stop the toxic overload. You stop the insult. The body will restore. And we see that time and time again. And we have walked people through just simple detoxes in that you just are Not necessarily going through a protocol to, quote, detox. You are literally just cutting out toxins and replacing things with natural ingredients. Even drinking purified water. Like, go on a purified water fast for a day. Watch what happens to your body. Watch what comes out of your pores. Watch what odor gets emitted. Watch how you defecate and urinate. Your body will start to cleanse itself, right? You do some of these things, and you start to think about, okay, my body restoring itself what happens and this is so beautiful you start to lose weight your body starts to metabolize better you start to burn fat like you're not exercising more notice i didn't say lift the weight i didn't say go to the treadmill you start to lose weight burn fat you start to think clearly or clearer brain fog just starts to dissipate joint pain just kind of disappears like your sex drive comes back right? Women, estrogen issues, vaginal dryness, right? How do we help with that? These sorts of things help, helps your, your love life. And so you start seeing the wide variety of benefits of living this detox life. And then when you add essentials, essential oils in, like I am with my diffuser, with my body care, it's like, Oh, it just enhances everything. It really is a wonderful, wonderful journey. And so, when it comes to, again, hormone balance and things of that nature, you have to first stop the insult, allow the body to restore. And then, if there are certain things, yeah, you have clary sage, you have elanglang, you have geranium, you have lavender. Like these are known, these are, and fennel is another good one. These are known estrogen balancing essential oils. And this is something important. Oils are not known as, quote, estrogenic. And so, a lot of women, um, this is a big issue online, at least I see. In my space um estrogen dominant cancer right so people like i have estrogen dominant breast cancer should i be aware of lavender i've heard that lavender is estrogenic well this is straight from the aromatherapy text the experts of the experts robert tisserin i'll quote him go to tisserininstitute.com um essential oils don't have that effect it's not like essential oils are estrogen producing and that's really important what essential oils do is they are known harmonizers. They are extract, and this makes sense, harmonizing is an actual known term in the literature. I mean, it's right there in the medical literature. It's it's another. It's a basically a fancy way of saying an outside substance helps create harmony, homeostasis in the body because of a variety of different mechanisms. Primarily, essential oils are rich in antioxidants, so they help with the free radical damage, and they're also anti-inflammatory by nature. So by reducing inflammation, by helping with free radical damage, the body literally starts to heal itself. I mean, that's the concept of why everyone takes vitamin C during cold and flu season, right? So what essential oils do, here's the key. Why are they harmonizers? Because they're extracted from adaptogenic herbs and spices. And at this point, the research about adaptogens is well-established. And so there are specific, like Tulsi, holy basil, oregano. I mean, there are certain herbs and spices that many of us use. Turmeric. How many of us have turmeric now everywhere? It's coming out of our ears, right? Everyone loves turmeric. It's like the big thing, capsules, liposomal form. It's great. They're adaptogens, which means they help your body adapt to its environment and heal. So when it comes to essential oils, by using essential oils, applying them topically, And especially women over the abdomen, over the ovaries, over your internal organs during your menses, wonderful, wonderful ways of helping with cramps and hot flashes. Like there's a lot of stuff women can do for menopause, perimenopause, all that. But what these essential oils do, because they're made from adaptogenic herbs and spices and roots and trees, is they help your body create balance, which is really profound because it's a completely different philosophy this is a vitalistic philosophy. It's what I learned at school. This is a, we give the body what the body needs to heal itself. And first of all, stop hurting the body and then maybe add something to the body to heal itself. Like, wow, that's really kind of cool. So it's not the oil is healing me. It's not the chiropractic adjustment took away the pain. It's not this supplement gave me more energy. It's like these plant-based natural therapies giving my body just a respite so my body can do what my body was made to do and it's thrive. And that is a completely different mindset for people. It really is about a truly inside out approach to every aspect of your health.
0: So you had mentioned before that you can use essential oils for fatty liver. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. A problem with fatty liver is most people don't know they have it i mean that's a big issue and we're seeing the rise of cases and it's becoming more on the radar as more awareness is being made and, and i'm saying that to say and i'm gonna go pull up something too i actually want one to pull up a couple of recipes that i have spearmint is one spearmint one oil that, that has been shown to help Oftentimes happens is when someone has fatty liver, there's such a wide variety of symptoms that they're dealing with. I mean, it's it's mind blowing what happens when you your liver. Again, this is non alcoholic. So this isn't for people that are alcoholics. This is you've literally have eaten so much bad food over the years. And who hasn't? Right. Processed foods, fatty foods and not just fatty foods, but we're talking fast foods, fried foods, bad stuff, bad stuff that there's fat accumulation on the liver and what's happening is people are manifesting a litany of symptoms, depression, anxiety, brain fog, like pre autoimmune issues. There's such a link between, it it looks so similar to skinny diabetes being skinny fat, which is a big issue because people are known obese internally, not externally. They're obese in that it's called, you know, again, called being skinny fat. It's you look skinny, but inside your body fat percentage is through the roof and you're internally obese, but internally your body is just really struggling. And there's a direct correlation with memory loss, poor appetite, nausea, weakness. I mean, it's just, it's scary. And so the approach with essential oils goes back to my diabetes and obesity chapter. First of all, we got to take care of the blood glucose issue and excess fat issue. And if we could do that, we could really start to treat fatty liver holistically. And there has to be significant diet changes. There's no other way of saying it. You can't be on the set, right? Standard earth diet and expect diabetes, obesity, and fatty liver to go away. So one thing I found that essential oils can do is help balance blood sugar. Cinnamon bark, for example, and Melissa cumin oregano fennel um fenugreek these oils when blended together has a profound insulin sensitivity ability actually increasing insulin sensitivity which is wonderful because that's really the problem with people that are diabetic and obese is the body doesn't recognize insulin and it's too much blood sugar accumulating in in the bloodstream or too much sugar accumulating in the bloodstream so essential oils can help that essential oils can help with the insulin sensitivity and inhaling essential oils, lime and and grapefruit actually have been shown to stimulate lipolysis, which is fat breakdown. Like literally just smelling the essential oil can stimulate fat breakdown, which makes a lot of sense from a neurological perspective because of the gut brain connection. And we know that when someone is happier, more joyful, um, not Mm -hmm. battling mental illness, that they're not as likely to, binge eat or comfort eat. You know what I mean? It's you do what's good for you and you enjoy your food. You eat to live. You don't live to eat as much versus someone who is battling depression, anxiety, or a mental health condition. And essential oils help directly with mental health. But there are other oils that actually have been shown to help protect the liver. Anise oil is one. Fennel, I'll go through a quick list. Like there's a liver protecting roll-on that I have in my book. I'll give it to you guys. Um, gals the a roll-on is a roller bottle it's a very nice neat way and i'll show it to you for those of you who are watching the video right now it's very simple it's a glass you can hear it it's a glass tube with a roller bottle on top and it's a very simple clean way of using essential oils i mean some of you might have perfume of some sort that looks very similar i'm sure you've seen it many people haven't seen the aromatherapy version of it but if you add eight drops of fennel, six drops of anise, and two drops of myrtle oil with jojoba or fractionated coconut oil, that, those oils have been shown to help protect the liver from liver damage. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to not only help with the fat problem internally, and the internal fatty accumulation, but we're also trying to help protect the liver from any damage because liver damage will cause a slew of other health conditions that can be deadly. I mean, fatty liver is one of the primary causes of death worldwide. Um, ginger oil is another one. I'm highly proficient at protecting the liver from fatty liver caused by a high-fat diet. And this is where I, I want to be very respectful of my colleagues and friends who are big keto fans and carnivore fans and high-fat, low-carb diets. But I'm going to suggest that, and many of them that I know personally, they tell me they, they don't recommend keto for life. They recommend keto, like a cyclical keto. It's like, look, you're on keto for two, three, four months, and then you're off. You're on and you're off. You got to give your body a break because what we see with keto specifically, we need to remember keto was developed for epileptic children. This was a diet designed to help children with epilepsy, with seizures. So it helps minimize greatly the frequency of seizures, but at what cost? And the few studies we see of children now older, we see a scary amount of them developing high cholesterol and fatty liver because they've just been eating an extreme amount of fat most of their life to help with the epilepsy. So it's one of those cost benefits analysis. But if you don't have epilepsy, then you need to think twice about it. Really consider how much fat am I consuming? Good fat, bad fat, fat's fat. Right. So I just want to propose that there is maybe another way of looking at it, especially as high fat, low-carb diets really gain more and more popularity. Clove oil is another one. One study showed that animals fed a high fructose diet, they induced because of fructose, right? They induced fatty liver because of a high sugar diet, which again, we don't wanna there's balance there. They found that. Clove oil, which is rich in eugenol, improve the fatty liver and help balance blood lipid levels. Again, we're talking cholesterol just by ingesting clove. So that's another strategy. Topical application can help ingesting these essential oils. Ginger is another good one. Um, But ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to give people just, again, little tips little tips, which is why I have a fatty liver chapter. I have an epilepsy chapter a Parkinson's. Just what is the chronic condition that maybe might run in your family, or maybe you've been diagnosed with, or maybe you're just a little concerned about, right? There might be a holistic approach using essential oils to help.
0: What are some other maybe surprising conditions that essential oils work particularly well with? Well, I mean, I got to say fatty liver is one.
1: I mean, most people don't think of fatty liver. One thing that comes to mind is sex because surprisingly, most people don't ask you about sex, but they're searching for sex tips. And and I found this was really shocking to me because those people in the blogosphere, they know what Google Analytics is. They know it's basically this analytic database that Google gives you to say who visited your website. And we don't know names, but we know um, locations. We know demographics. Like Google knows everything about you, by the way. And we know, hey, these people, this group of people are visiting these pages on your website. And kind of shocked me a couple of years ago when I found that the number one most popular, most visited website page that I have at naturallivingfamily.com is Essential Oils for Sex. It shocked me because I've had virtually no one ever asked me that like chat, Instagram, chat, Facebook, chat, email. No, one's asking me, Hey, how do I use oils to boost my libido? And it told me something. One is this, obviously sex is a very sensitive topic to people. And two is, is people are interested in things that have a direct pain point to them. And that's what they're searching for. They're searching for a better quality of life. And quite frankly, who wouldn't want to have a better sex life from an evolutionary perspective without sex, without procreation, our species dies. I mean, it's just at the core. We eat, we need to eat, we need to sleep, we need to procreate. I mean, that's what connects us to the animals, right? And so it was kind of surprising as I was doing research on how effective essential oils can be with, let's say, erectile dysfunction. Like, wow. I mean, I've never had a guy ask me that. I don't think I ever will. But one thing about erectile dysfunction, I want to say, and I know a lot of women are listening, but a lot of women listening have men dealing with ED, right? So I'm talking to the women through. The, or I'm talking to the men through the women. Is it is impossible? It's impossible to help your husband, your spouse, your partner. It's impossible to help them through ED if they're in this chronic stressed fight or flight mode. It's just physiological, physiologically impossible. And what we need to do to properly stimulate that, I don't want to say libido, but stimulate the ability for the body to have a proper erection and to ejaculate. Again, this is simple chemistry, simple physiology, is to get into that parasympathetic rest and digest state. And what happens to a lot of men is they're stressed at work, I mean, God knows what's happened because of the pandemic, all these issues around, they go home, maybe their diet isn't one, it's an inflammatory diet, they might crack open a beer or drink some booze or something to help them cool off and chill out. None of that is a recipe. None of that is a recipe for proper libido function and the help of the rectal dysfunction because you're constantly, you're everything's being stressed. The alcohol stresses you, the cigarettes stress you, the drugs stress the body, the food stress, the body, the stress stresses the body. So imagine doing something like to stop that. And it could be as simple as diffusing elanglang or lavender in the room. Uh, going back to the aromatherapy hand massage. I talked about with Alzheimer's patients, a foot rub, a neck rub, if you want to help your lover and and any guys listening, flip it on his coin, help your spouse, help your wife, help your lover. If you want to put your partner in a better position to have enjoyable sex and want to have sex, you need to get them chilled out at a physiological level. And that's where essential oils are key. And also, by the way, they make a great lubricant. I mean, when it comes back to estrogen dominance and est- um, low estrogen levels, again, that whole conversation, many women suffer from vaginal dryness. That's a big issue. That causes pain. You need a proper lubricant if you're going to have sex. And we have found just a simple mixture of coconut oil with just a drop of ylang-ylang, clary sage, geranium and lavender and chamomile, all safe, all safe for ingestion or internal use, safe as a lubricant. That's a great way of helping helping promote proper vaginal secretion and also used as a safe lube i mean that's kind of interesting like who would have thought about that but it's a two-for-one deal and so if we can help women enjoy sex better and that's really one of the number one causes or number one reasons why women don't want to have sex is because of vaginal dryness the pain associated with it especially as they're peri post menopause and do directly because of estrogen so what if we can help with that there's this aromatic benefit though because again these volatile organic compounds are permeating through so it's really wonderful to see because yes we see like between the sheets blends and libido blends but there's some basic science to it and one thing though too especially for men with erectile dysfunction going back to that is the spicy oils this the cinnamon the anise the nutmeg clove ginger these oils have been shown clinically to really stimulate more of a sexual arousal than others in men you know we all have heard the adage the way to a man's hardest to his stomach who doesn't like apple pie pumpkin pie right it's that kind of mentality where those spices that give those pies that we love in america and all over the world that aromatic oof to it those are the same aromas that so what you could do have your pumpkin pie spice blend going in your diffuser while you're having dinner transition to maybe the movie room or something and give each other like a foot rub with some calming oils. And that might be a recipe for a nice night.
0: Could you give us a little bit of examples of how you use essential oils in your day to day? Like maybe in your morning beverage, do you put anything or to wind down at night or if you're stressed during the day?
1: Yeah, all the above. I love culinary use of essential oils. My morning latte is a matcha green tea latte where I add a drop of cinnamon bark and a drop of peppermint. I mean, it's wonderful for a lot of reasons, but blood sugar balancing, energy boosting peppermint opens up the airways, invigorates you. Great flavor, by the way. Um, Same thing with coffee. As long as you have a fatty substance, you need something fatty like avocado, drop of cilantro or lime in your guacamole. Yum, right? body care. It's in all of our body care at home. We either make our own or a little cheat hack is to get non-scented body care and then put it into, you know, a store-bought bottle and put some essential oils into it. That's another way of doing it. That's really easy. So you don't have to like make your own shampoo from scratch, buy unscented shampoo, Put some essential oils into it. We give suggestions of which ones and how and why in our books and things, just to give people some tips. But it really is the sky's the limit because everywhere you go in my home, the poo-poo sprays, essential oil-based, cleaning products, essential oil based. I mean, my wife has a great granite cleaner, floor cleaner, wood cleaners. Like it's what do you think's in your goo gone? It's orange-based, it's fake essential oil. We just would rather use the real essential oil it's pretty simple when you think of it like that. And also, what do you think flavors your peppermint patties and your Coca-Cola? It's essential oil-based. They are the natural or artificial flavorings, whether they're synthetic or not. So when you get back to it, it, they are everywhere. And that's the other thing too. People don't realize they're everywhere. Everything you smell, everything you taste, everything that you clean with is essential oil-based. It's either real or it's not. I guess that's really the big deal.
0: So a lot of people are probably going to maybe overdo a few essential oils. Yes. So what are the most common ones that you've heard of that people overdo them, they take too much, they get a reaction or something happens and then it gives the whole essential oil community like a bad name? Oh,
1: that just happened. That was on this Netflix documentary called Unwell and it was citrus oils. Citrus oils are known photosensitizers so you put – Bergamot on your skin, go outside, and there's a chemical called bergaptin that's in some citrus oils, and they exemplify the UV rays, and that could cause sun burns and sunspots. So this poor woman, basically, I think she was in a tanning booth and she applied essential oils on, I believe, undiluted, and she got burned, and it was a bad deal. Um, always dilute essential oils and always be careful about direct impact of sunlight on essential oils after you use them. But dilution is the solution. And also maybe give yourself 10, 15 minutes between applying. And I'll just say for me, I'm not going to put on um, bergamot and go out um, to the beach. It's just one oil I don't need at that moment. Right. I mean, there's a million other oils I could use, but it's just little things like that. But yeah, that's the big one.
0: I've also heard that some people, they put essential oils into their belly button that it's supposed to work better. Is there any truth to that?
1: No, don't do that. Please <laughs> don't. Yeah, it's crazy. Don't put them, don't put them undiluted. There's absolutely zero. And I get it, The belly button is sacred. It, it's like literally like a God and a goddess to some people's um, spiritual mindset. So, uh, it's there's zero research to suggest that so don't put them directly in your ear never put them in your nose never ever I don't care what anyone says if you have an earache otitis media you put tea tree and lavender around the ear canal never in the ear Um, don't just drink them I mean I see people just putting drops in their mouth again they could burn the mucous membranes in your mouth they're caustic y'all I mean like these are concentrated compounds so just be careful I mean dilute 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 follow the recipes don't be afraid Be smart with this stuff, just like you would never go to the pharmacy and get over-the-counter melatonin and take a handful just because you want to to sleep better. You're going to read the instruction label. That's what I'm asking you to do is on your supplements with your essential oils, read the instruction label. And unfortunately, most companies don't have an instruction label to explain how to use them. That's why I write my books, really. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you think maybe in the future you can make maybe an app or something like that where we can download it, maybe pay a fee and then enter whatever essential oil we want and see all the counter indications and all those things?
1: Yeah, that'd be wonderful. That would be a wonderfully laborious task that I will tell you that would be fantastic. And nothing like that exists. But I, yeah, I definitely take note. I know there are apps out there that are more like, this is the issue I have. What oil do I use? Again, the problem I have with that is completely take sickness and disease out of context. It doesn't take into account contraindications, comorbidities. It doesn't take into account all that. So I caution people away from that because there is no pill for an ill. There's no oil for that. Like get out of that mindset and look at holistically. But to your point, yeah, it needs to be done. And that's really the future of telemedicine is giving the home user access to really what the therapist and the frontline workers are doing day to day in and out.
0: Yeah. So before you go, is there anything we might not have covered that you want our listeners to know about essential oils?
1: Oh boy. We covered so much. I, I would just reiterate not to be overwhelmed with anything regarding your health journey, whether you're trying to treat or prevent a disease or just feel better take it day by day, line upon line, precept upon precept, like go little by little and enjoy the process. It really is about the journey and do things that will help you now get some quick wins. So out of everything that we talked about, maybe it was hand sanitizer. Yeah, I could do that. That's that's cost. Of, it's budget friendly. It's quick. I could do it, do it, get moving. That's the only thing I want to encourage you to do is get started and enjoy through all the other interviews that you're getting from this wonderful show accumulate this information and and be systematic, right? Don't look back, only look forward.
0: Wonderful. So, where can everybody find you online? You mentioned your website. Which social media platforms are you the most active on?
1: I'm most active on Facebook right now. We do have an Instagram and Pinterest. Um, You can go to naturallivingfamily.com. That's my website and also my book, The Essential Oils Apothecary. It's available everywhere books are sold. And my wife and I actually created a series of demo videos for people that when they get the book, we give you a gift. 17 videos that we recorded, about six hours of content, masterclass quality content to show you how to make these recipes. But to get a lot of these little side tips that I literally just couldn't fit because the binding of the book was about the bust. Like I maxed out the pages of the book. So go to EOApothecary.com and you'll get recipe cards and PDFs. All the charts in the book are in beautiful printable PDF format. Again, EOApothecary.com.
0: I'm going to put all of that in the show notes and some more ways to reach you. And thank you again for your time. And yeah, it was a great picking your brain.
1: Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahoum of Feminescence and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony and their maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones there's nothing quite like it so go to feminescence.com enter code CAT15, K-A-T 15 kat k-a-t-1-5 for 15% off any of their single pack products and definitely go check out the episode just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast and listen you won't regret it. Thank you for listening to the show. Please show your support for the podcast by leaving a five-star review. Learn more about the show and what I have to offer you at catkatib.com. Consider being a part of the new Patreon, where episodes are ad-free and you'll find extra bonus content. Send a voicemail question or email me. Check the show notes for more information. This podcast is for informational, merry-makings, and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.